Hi, I'm Red Mom Caitlin. And I'm Blue Mom Shelly. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of the Red Mom, Blue Mom podcast. We're two moms with opposing political views who enjoy talking about politics, current events, and social issues. We believe in the importance of dialogue to help us learn from one another, especially when we have differences of opinion. Our goal isn't necessarily to agree, but where we disagree, to keep talking. We hope we inspire you to have real conversations on important issues with people with whom you disagree. And we hope our legislators are doing the same. Let's get started. Red Mom Caitlin, we hope everyone is enjoying their summer so far. We're so happy you're joining us for this second lightning round episode. As usual, there is much to discuss in the world of politics, current events, and social issues, and we really like these lightning round discussions to give us the opportunity to talk about a variety of issues within one episode. So let's get started with our first topic. Shelley, the College Board is the national organization that runs, among other things, the SAT test that many U.S. high school students take as part of their college applications. The better your score on the SAT, the more likely you are to be accepted to the college or university of your choice. Now, historically, the College Board has managed the SAT as a traditional standardized exam, meaning your score is your score, and there aren't really any other factors that are contemplated when interpreting the results. However, recently the College Board announced that it is changing the test to add what they're calling a, quote, environmental context dashboard, which many have nicknamed an adversity score, to provide academic institutions with information about the student's socioeconomic background, as well as data on the rigor of the student's high school. What are your thoughts about this change and how SAT results and data are used to gauge student performance as it relates to college admissions? Well, I haven't seen the details of what's on the environmental context dashboard, but generally in principle, I'm fine with it. It's funny because I think when something relates to us, we tend to be influenced by our own experience, right? So I would have benefited from this. I grew up in a poor family, a house without books, without vocabulary, which is a major part of the SAT. I was the first to graduate from college in my family. I didn't have mentors or adults who were putting me in or paying for um, or even suggesting what courses to take in high school or put putting me in a tutoring course for the SAT or ACT. ACT. Um, I worked during high school and in college and I was a very driven person, but I was sort of all on my, I did it all on my own. And yet I didn't have gang violence or drug deals taking place outside my bedroom window. So there are many similarly driven kids who um, are in worse positions. And I think that they could make great contributions to our colleges and to our society with their education. And so I think, yes, I think it's a great idea to take into consideration some environmental factors in college admissions. Yeah, I like the idea of this, I think. Um, I, I do agree with what you just said and giving a little bit more context maybe around a student applicant's socioeconomic or home life or all of those different things that you just mentioned that affected you personally. I get that it seems like a good idea. I think that the challenge is that it seems like it might add a lot of subjectivity to what has historically been really purely a merit-based test. And I think adding this adversity score, which some are calling it, it seems to put a lot more power, I guess, in the hands of universities to kind of use this score to maybe 
artificially manipulate the makeup of their students, especially from a racial perspective, even more so than they already do. And I think many of our listeners will know, and I think you know this, Shelley, you know, Harvard has a lawsuit right now uh, that some are claiming that they've been using racial discrimination against Asian American students um, based on kind of similarly subjective and what I would call squishy criteria, right, around like sociability, things like that. So I think it gets a little bit complex about who's making those decisions. Well, I agree. I think uh, it's only as good as the people who are going to implement it. And so we'd probably both have to know a little bit more about what exactly is going into that score. And maybe there is some objectivity. Maybe you get a certain number of points based on XYZ and maybe it could be really fine tuned. Maybe we would, uh, we'd both agree on it because I think I agree with you that in, in certain instances, uh, affirmative action where it ends up, um, possibly discriminated against, you know, a young white man. I don't like that either, but I do think that uh, diversity in schools is so valuable. But what this this looks like it's doing is not necessarily racial, but socioeconomic. No, and, and so you're I right. think our colleges could really use some more diversity in in terms of socioeconomics. It's so expensive to go to school. You're now. You're definitely right there, and you're you're correct. And I should be clear for listeners: this is expressly not a racial uh, score, and it's not giving any indication of the student's race. But it is some of those socioeconomic factors and other things that potentially could help get an idea of what the student's race is. I mean, there could be some sure. assumptions made there, which that may be wrong or right. Um, but you're right; it's it's not a race-based score. It'll be interesting. My understanding is that the College Board has started to test this already with a with a small group of colleges and universities here in the U.S., but that going forward, it's going to be just kind of part of the new SAT, as well as the ACT, which is the other college admission score, uh, excuse me, college admission test. So it'll be interesting to see um, what, if any, impact that has negative or positive going forward. I agree. I think it'll be interesting, and I think it will be great if we can see uh, some more socioeconomic diversity in the schools and and next step is we need to help more kids pay for college, but that's another topic we for talk another about day. That a different time. Caitlin, we're recording this episode just before the United States women's national team plays in the final match of the World Cup against Netherlands. And I know you and I disagree on whether the U.S. women's national team should be paid equally with the men's team. I strongly think they should be. And President Trump has actually declined to comment on that point. Um, But he did get into a sparring match with one of the team stars, uh, Megan Rapinoe, who commented, I am not going to the effing White House. What do you think about that or other athletes declining to visit Trump's White House? Yeah, I would say overall, I've been kind of disappointed with the women's national soccer team. And some of our listeners may not even know that we're talking about soccer. Hopefully they do. Um, But I've been kind of disappointed. I really haven't been watching any of the games. And as you know, Shelly, my boys play soccer, your kids play soccer. So it's certainly a sport that I enjoy, but I haven't been watching the games. To answer your question, generally, I think it's fine for an athlete to make a decision to visit or not, be it the White House or anything else, but I just wish that Megan Rapinoe would have done it in a respectful way. I appreciate that she's clearly not a Trump fan. Um, She's been very vocal politically for many years, but to say it that way, to say I'm not going to the effing White House when she's a role model for so many girls and women, uh, I found that part of it really disgraceful in my opinion. Well, she did apologize for the expletive, but then she stood by her other comments. She said, you know, my mom wouldn't have appreciated the expletive, but she sort of eloquently explained that the president doesn't stand for what she and she thinks her teammates stand for and that that she doesn't want to lend their platforms to that. I think they're a national treasure. I hope they, um, I hope they win tomorrow. I commend her for kind of using her 
her platform to describe uh, her differences with the president. Yeah, I do find it funny that she made that comment before an offer to visit the White House had even been extended. And I think Trump actually did the right thing in his in his Twitter response, at least that was what I saw, which was basically to formally invite the team, win or lose, but also criticize her for being disrespectful of her of her country and her flag and her team. And I, I think that M- Megan Rapinoe, of course, has every right to her political opinions. I think the issue for me, though, is that she is representing the U.S. as an American on an international stage and I think that deserves a level of honor and respect more so than she and her teammates have seen. Now I don't know maybe all of Megan's teammates agree with her politically but I don't know if they do and I, I don't like the fact that Megan has kind of emerged as this figure almost speaking on behalf of the entire team. I don't I don't know if they all agree with her on these points or not. Well what was it that you found to be that you that you didn't like about the team in general you said yeah they've been um, widely criticized as I'm sure you saw about maybe what some would consider kind of a lack of sportsmanship after that Thailand victory where I think the U.S. team won like 13 to 0 and they were very celebratory after after every goal which I don't begrudge them celebration but it seemed to be a little bit over the top considering it was such a, a crazy victory 13 to nothing Megan has been known in the past to not stand for the national anthem she's been very vocal a couple years ago about um, supporting Colin Kaepernick on that. Um, And again, it's fine for her to have that opinion, but I think between kind of the unsportsmanlike antics, I guess I would call them, and then some of this political, you know, antics, again, to use that word, for me as a viewer, even though I'm a soccer fan, that has really turned me off to their journey this year. Now, did you watch that Thailand game? I just saw clips, and then I saw because, the clips of the celebrations. Because the media was especially hard on them, and I, I watched that game, and I disagreed. I thought the media was acting in a sort of sexist way. They celebrated each goal normally, the way any sports team celebrates goals and the way any soccer team celebrates goals. No different. They were perfectly sportsmanlike. They were very kind to the Thai team after they won. They you know, shook hands. They, their usual thing, they're always good sports, this team is. So I was disappointed to see the reaction, to see that characterized as arrogant because they were just celebrating normally. They were held to different standards than a men's team would be held. You're in the World Cup. This is the biggest thing in soccer. And so to not jump into each other's arms after a goal or after the game uh, is absurd. I even heard one commentator on Fox say that he didn't think they should have scored so many goals which is absurd I mean you're in the World Cup the the amount of goals that you score matters in terms of whether you're moving on I I thought that the media was way too hard on them in a way that I think was is gender-based I think that women are expected to somehow be more subtle or more humble or something than uh, men's sports teams yeah perhaps and perhaps there was a double standard Um, you're right that I didn't watch the game I just watched the clips Uh, I do think though that you know 13 to 0 in a soccer game is a is a pretty high scoring game. Often, you know, World Cup games tend to be three to two, four to three. I mean, it tends Which to be single digits. Which was the reason digits. to celebrate. Yeah. A, no, no, and an amazing I, team. Again, I think the U.S. women's team, from a talent perspective, from a soccer ability perspective, they're incredible. I think Megan Rapinoe is an incredible soccer player. I just don't like her as a representative of the U.S. team making comments like that with the expletive, which I know that she's apologized for, not standing for the national anthem. And I was curious to know from you, Shelley, one of the um, pundit sites that I like to read uh, identified what I thought was an interesting question about Megan Rapinoe, and then we can we can move on to our next topic. But this idea that the U.S. 
team is the official team, right, of, of the United States. It's not like it's a local franchise NFL team that's privately owned. I mean, it's the national team. Do you think there's any moral inconsistency on the part of Rapino? Here she is uh, refusing to sing the national anthem. She was kneeling for a while, and then I think the Soccer Association said every player has to stand. But if she thinks America is that terrible, that she won't even be bothered to, to put her hand over the heart, or, or, or her heart rather, or honor the flag and the country, should she be playing for the national team? If it's that bad, is there any inconsistency there um, on her part? No, absolutely not. You and I have talked about this. I think kneeling for the national anthem is a fine way to protest. She does not think there's anything terrible about the United States. People who kneel for the anthem don't think that there's anything terrible about the United States. They're proud patriots. They're proud to be a Americans. She's an extremely patriotic person. What she's doing by kneeling is uh, supporting the national protest against police brutality with respect to people of color. There's some inequities in the criminal justice system with respect to people of color. While police officers uh, are, for the most part, you know, fantastic and, and good at their jobs. Um, there is an inherent bias sometimes in, in all people, including police officers. And as a result, sometimes people of color get treated horrifically. Sometimes they have lost their lives as a result. The idea behind the kneeling protest is to bring attention to that because racism is something that it will become less if we acknowledge it. So I think it's very important to acknowledge police brutality and it's a very patriotic thing to do, to do. I think it's an American thing to do because I think, you know, it, it gives us a chance to all think about does the anthem mean the same for everyone in this country? Are, are people, you know, do people have equal rights? So I thought it's wonderful that she as a white person, you know, there's, that takes a lot of courage. So I think that it's uh, very courageous and a very American patriotic thing to do to, to kneel for the national anthem. Yeah, I think it's pretty contrived and I, I don't think it's courageous. I think if she was truly courageous, uh, she wouldn't play for the national team. I mean, she's out there representing the U.S. and yet at the same time, I think she, in my opinion, she's disrespecting uh, the flag and the country, all of which are symbols of, of the United States. And I think, although perhaps her support of kneeling maybe began with police brutality, and she obviously came out very vocally in support of Colin Kaepernick, it seems like from her own words, at least during this World Cup series that she's been interviewed, she was quoted as saying now she is a, quote, walking protest of the Trump administration. Well, that's different from wanting to protest, you know, police brutality. And so I'm just, I guess, I'm not sure what her true motives are. It seems like a little bit of political gamesmanship. So I don't, I don't know. I feel like maybe that police brutality piece has gotten lost and now she's just trying to protest Trump. Well, remember, Trump got himself mixed up in the national anthem debate by criticizing so so vociferously athletes who kneel. So there's some of that, but I think she knelt before she, you know, she got in this back and forth with Trump. With Trump, I think she genu- genuinely supports the cause. I think she's very patriotic. As with any athlete who kneels, I don't think that we should assume they're any less American, any less patriotic. I actually think it's the opposite. They're trying to make America better and more equal for for everyone. 
Okay, well, we definitely disagree on Megan Rapinoe, and we'll see what happens with the team um, tomorrow. All right, so next up, we have an interesting proposal relating um, here in Colorado to Columbine High School, uh, which is located in the Denver metro area. Many of our listeners are probably familiar with Columbine because it was the location of a terrible school shooting 20 years ago. Since that shooting, Columbine High School has become what the New York Times recently described as a, quote, macabre tourist destination. There is a proposal from the local school board to tear down the existing school building and rebuild it as a new building, although the name of the school would remain the same. Shelley, what do you think about this idea? Should we tear down Columbine High School? I don't know, and I would 100% defer to the Columbine students, teachers, and families. I have read recently locally that several of them would like a new school, so I defer to them and let them make that decision. If they want a new school, I think that's that's okay. I do think it's a, a tragedy that after Columbine, uh, after Sandy Hook, after multiple other school shootings, that our Congress has failed to pass gun control legislation, which results in more tragedies. And so there are other buildings, even here in Colorado, that carry this heavy, this tragic, uh, tragic feeling. You know, we recently had this Sol Pais situation, uh, a young person infatuated with Columbine who threatened others. And so I think there's less of an ability to feel safe anymore. Ultimately, a, a school like this is being torn down as a result. As you know, I think that Congress not passing gun control is tragic. I think it's past due. And I think this is one of the unfortunate results. Yeah, and we've had whole other episodes on gun control and Congress's role and which new laws, if any, would actually make a difference. And we won't get into that here. You and I disagree on those points. But as it relates to Columbine High School, I agree. I think it should be left up to the local community, the local school board. Two two points just to consider for our listeners as they're kind of thinking about it. First, the building is fully functional, right? So it's not as though the building is in disrepair or decrepit. Um, It's fully functional. So from a kind of pragmatic perspective, it seems like a real waste of money to tear down a perfectly good school. But the superintendent in the local school board was talking about how the school safety team that oversees Columbine um, says that there are hundreds of people each year who try to enter the school or are caught trespassing on campus because of kind of the notoriety, and that's a real shame. Um, It's really a magnet for those that are obsessed with school shootings and the tragedies. And as you just mentioned, the Sol Pais story that happened here in Colorado was was directly tied to Columbine. But I thought one of the perspectives that I agreed with most, um, there's a woman woman named Connie Sanders. Her father, Dave Sanders, was actually killed. Uh, he was a teacher at Columbine. Um, Connie has become a very strong advocate on behalf of school safety and, and advocates more gun control. She uh, came out and said that basically spending $70 million for construction of a new school would be better spent on student-focused programs like mental health treatment or community centers, and I think there's a lot of truth in that. That's very interesting. Okay, next topic. Caitlin, we see more often now videos of African-Americans being treated unfairly by the police. And I know that at some point we'll do an entire episode maybe on this, on racial injustice in the criminal justice system. But I'm wondering if you saw the recent news of a family in Phoenix that was treated rather brutally by the Phoenix police after their young daughter had stolen a dollar Barbie doll from a dollar store in Phoenix. And I'm wondering if if you agree with me in, in concluding that maybe had that family been a white family, would they have been treated differently? I did see the story, but I haven't read anything that would indicate that there was actually racial bias. I mean, the family was black, yes, but have you seen or read evidence that they were treated unfairly as a result? Well, I can tell just by looking at the videos, I, I've, I've never seen a white family treated that way by the police. 
they get uh, approached when they pull over at their destination and apartment building where they were headed. The officers point guns at the mother who is uh, with the children. They're screaming at them, telling them things like, I'm going to put a hole in your head. I'm going to blow your head off. Just brutal screaming. They are physically brutal with the man who's a fairly young, relatively small black man. The kids are a part of all of this. The kids' lives are being threatened. The kids are witnessing all of this. And some bystanders in the apartment building are catching it all on video. Some of them are actually telling the police officers to calm down because I think everyone was worried about someone someone getting shot. Um, there was no resistance on the part of the family. And, uh, apparently they had, they had come because the parents didn't realize it. The little girl had taken a Barbie doll from the dollar store. And so it's an absolute imbalance in the amount of force that's used and the reasons it's used. And I just know anecdotally that I suffer almost no risk of that ha- happening to me and my family because in part because of my skin color. So I, I think it's obvious in, in my view, when I see these videos, you can just say to yourself, would this have happened if they were white? And I know the answer is no. Yeah, I guess I'm I guess I'm always maybe a little bit more cautious to say that and perhaps you're right, but I don't know if we'll know. I think what's interesting about this story and I've seen the the viral video that you're referring to um, that has been making the rounds and I agree in the context that it's been shared where the the police officers are at the vehicle of the family and they're at that apartment building. I agree. It's scary. It's intimidating. It seems way over the top in terms of their response. But as I was reading more about the story, it sounds like there's a little bit more to it that perhaps hasn't gotten as much coverage in terms of what happened prior to that. So what actually happened at the dollar store? What happened en route to the apartment complex? I guess my point is I'm not entirely clear on ultimately what all the facts are. Um, So as an example, police are reporting that when they left the dollar store, there happened to be police there for another shoplifting incident, and then they um, were called for this incident with the Barbie doll, which I agree seems like a very small transgression, but the, the police talked about how, you know, the car along the way, it sped out of the parking lot, they wouldn't talk to the police, they stopped at one point, one of the women got out and run, ran, um, the police then followed the vehicle into that apartment complex, uh, the police are saying that the officer actually gave a lot of verbal commands for the occupants to get out, and that the occupants were were uh, refused, that they were uh, loud and verbally abusive. So I think it just depends on, have we seen all of the video? Where did you read video? that? I'm curious because I read a lot of stories about this and I didn't yep, read any of that. This is all coming from, there's an article on a New York website called PIX11, which I'm assuming is probably a local uh, a local TV channel. It's titled, Phoenix Mayor Apologizes After Cops Pull Gun on Family. So this says, in a statement, Phoenix Police said that the incident began when an officer was advised by store employees of shoplifting and was directed to people getting into a car. As the officer walked towards the vehicle, the car quickly backed up and left the parking lot. The car stopped at another road. One of the women got out and the car then drove away. That woman was detained by the officer who learned she had three misdemeanor misdemeanor warrants for her arrest the police say. The woman was later booked on those warrants. Police followed the vehicle with the family inside to an apartment parking lot. An officer gave loud verbal commands for the occupants to get out with their hands up. 
Ames, who I'm assuming is one of the family members, it looks like that's a name, Ames yelled that he did not do anything wrong and began to reach toward the center of the vehicle, causing the officer to draw his handgun, according to the report. Ames then began to comply and put his hands above the steering wheel and was then handcuffed. The officer gave commands to Harper, who I think is the woman, still inside the vehicle, to put her hands in the air, but she refused. The officer feared that she was hiding something or was reaching for a weapon, according to the police. The report also says that Harper was loud and verbally abusive and refused police commands. So this is very typical of some of these stories that we read about or hear where the police side of the story is that maybe there were guns uh, and then it makes you as the reader say oh well the police have a very hard job and we we can understand yeah. you know being nervous if if you're ever in danger but I saw the video at least from the time they were inside the vehicle and being yelled at to get out first of all you can't hear anything for the windows were up on the vehicle so the idea that the passengers are uh, speaking in a way that's inappropriate is you can't hear any of that in the videos that I saw and so I have some doubts about that secondly you could say that about anyone that you know you wondered if they had a gun these this family did not have a gun they, they were unarmed this was all about a Barbie doll there's no other there's no other story here I mean you and I both saw the videos you didn't see any resistance on the family's part any um, any yelling by them any resistance by them any bad behavior by them they were scared and the woman who has the baby is scared to death and at one point the officer tries to take the baby from her and then and the, the bystanders are trying to maybe get the baby out of the line of fire they're pointing their guns at her telling her I'm going to put a cap in your head in front of these these children you don't see anything in this video about um, any you know any sort of non-compliance that at all rises to the level to have justified this and so I, I think it's funny that you know depending on the news source or uh, or the telling of the story how sometimes in these cases that's what you hear you hear some sort of justification there's no justification if a family is leaving a dollar store and the issue is whether a child stole a Barbie doll no family should be treated like that. No, but the and police I didn't think... know that at that point, right? And I'm not trying to justify what the police did. I, I agree that well, it seems like it was Well, they knew that they were following someone for a Barbie doll. They had no other information to think that there's anything else that this family had done wrong. Except that the car, apparently, according to the report to the police, the car had stopped. A woman got out. She was what's chased. What's wrong with that? A woman, what's wrong with dropping off a woman? Clearly that woman, I, I'm guessing that she didn't want to have an encounter with the police so she asked to get out of the car when they realized that police were following them yeah I guess she ran but, away which doesn't seem but, but but what suspicious behavior does this family once you get to the apartment building this family with the child who stole the Barbie doll what suspicious behavior have they engaged in none nothing I don't know I'm not the police they had no body cams apparently so I'm not necessarily saying the police's account is correct I think it sounds like this officer or maybe multiple officers have been put on suspension they're going to investigate that's probably the right thing to do I'm just you know it's not that we need to decide whether there was was racism I just think can we assume that uh, people have biases police officers have biases sometimes based on color of skin and that that can affect the way sometimes in, in this example a family like this is treated yeah people definitely have biases I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you there but I, I do feel uncomfortable making an accusation that that was a, a factor here I just don't know if we know enough facts even after you saw those videos 
Yeah, because we haven't seen anything that happened prior to that. So I, I don't know. I mean, I don't really have skin in the game on this either way. Uh, I'm just saying I think that viral video, like I said, it's scary. It's intimidating. I feel terribly for that family, but we don't really know what led up to that. Um, and there, unfortunately, there's no video of any of that. So I think they're doing it the right way in terms of doing an inv internal investigation. Uh, I agree. It's just that I think that we have a responsibility to acknowledge that race, color of skin can be a factor that might have led to the use of unnecessary force. And I think by acknowledging that, that's how we maybe improve the situation. Yeah, and I actually view it a little bit differently. I think we have a responsibility to wait until we know all the facts, until making any assumptions. Because there is no data about the officer. There was no data in any of the reporting around any, you know, visible bias, I guess, for whatever, for whatever that would be, right? Like using um, pejorative terms or, or things like that. So I, I acknowledge that there's bias, but I also think we are so quick to make assumptions um, in this world that we're living in and assigning racism or racial bias. That may be the case here. I don't know. My point is just, I don't feel like we know enough facts. And there is a difference, I think, between Maybe not a difference, but I think there's what sh what's shown on the video. I agree that's terrible. It looks horribly frightening. But what else? Like, what's the other context? Sure. No, I agree uh, with you that we always need to investigate a situation fully, and, and it often hits the news before that has yes, taken place. Agreed. I agree with you on that, although uh, there was a recent research that said that one in five police officers in this particular study had posted racist things and hateful things online. Two in five with respect to retired officers. So that's, you know, 20 um, or 40 percent of uh, police officers who have even posted racist things, let alone people who might, you know, have some biases that aren't vocal about them. Yeah. So I think it's important to acknowledge, um, not not to accuse, because it's certainly not all officers, and it's, there's, there are more good officers, I'm convinced, and, and they're very difficult jobs and these are difficult situations they're in but i think as a society and this i think comes back to the anthem protest in some ways it's important to acknowledge that this is an issue acknowledge that people have biases whether it's intentionally racist or not it's biases involving people of color possibly being more dangerous than they actually are this family with the Barbie doll was not dangerous, and there was no reason when, that they should have been treated like that. Yeah, based on your view of the video, I, I understand why you feel that way. I just don't think we, we know all of the facts. And I would say I think the vast majority of law enforcement are the good guys. I think it's more than just, you know, most are good, but some are bad. I think the vast majority of law enforcement um, are good guys. And so uh, I admit I tend to side with them. And until we know more facts, I'll be interested to hear what, you know, what the what the full story is, I guess, as it comes out. All right, Shelley, our next topic. So we are now living in a world of corporate wokeness when it comes to progressive social issues. And the most recent example is Nike. Many listeners may have seen this story from just a couple days ago, earlier this month in July. Nike was planning to release an America-themed shoe for July 4th, which featured the American Revolutionary flag from Betsy Ross on the heel. Now, Nike partner, ex-backup NFL player, and in my opinion, all-around scumbag Colin Kaepernick, got word of this. He is a, a partner of Nike, as I mentioned, and apparently Apparently, he called someone at Nike to voice his concerns about the flag representing an era of slavery and also that the flag had been adopted in the modern day as a symbol by white national groups. Nike capitulated to Colin's request. They pulled the shoe back from distribution. And I'm interested to hear, Shelley, if you agree with their decision. Well, on this, I don't 
care too much. Um, conservatives were already boycotting Nike so, because yes, it supported true. Kaepernick in the anthem protests. It's just a new reason to continue the boycott against them for some people. Um, I'm not offended by the Betsy Ross flag, but if African Americans are, or if a large group of people are, because it was a time of slavery, much like the Confederate flag argument, then it's their decision. They're a private company if they want to pull it because it's offensive to a lot of people. Do we have to have it on a shoe that we weren't going to buy anyway? Um, you know, I don't see a need to force Nike to issue certain designs. That's not our prerogative. It's a it's a private company. The flag is part of our history, but if it's something that's hurtful to possibly millions of people because it connotes a bad time in our history, certainly I think we probably agree that slavery need not be celebrated um, with statues or flags. Then why memorialize it in the name of patriotism? Because celebrating slavery is not patriotic so it's a you know again it's up to nike so if if they're willing to face the boycott to you know address this social issue i'm fine with that yeah no i i'm not not proposing at all that anyone forced nike to manufacture this shoe you're totally right they can make this this decision i just think it is such a stupid thing for them to do especially considering that all of the news reports basically say that it's Kaepernick that made a call and kind of voiced his concern or his displeasure. I'd be very interested if someone would ask Mr. Kaepernick if he had the same concerns when the Betsy Ross flag was flown at Obama's first inauguration, um, if he had the same concerns about it being a symbol of oppression and slavery and adopted by white nationalists. I just think Colin Kaepernick, in my opinion, I obviously don't think very highly of him. I think he is completely mis representing uh, the history of the Betsy Ross flag and why it was created and what it what it means, what it represented. You're right. It was created during an era of slavery. That's that's a part of our history that we can't erase or forget about. But I think the fact that Nike, I'm disappointed in them. It's it's disappointing to me to see corporations kind of bend over backwards to appear, again, I, I call it, you know, being woke or having this wokeness, which is kind of the new nomenclature for that. I just think that it's so stupid. They are alienating a lot of consumers in the U.S. who view this as nothing more than just a, a political stunt. And I think it's pretty disappointing. Well, remember that some of this is about acknowledging something. And, and like I say, I didn't even, I personally did not know that the Betsy Ross flag might be offensive. Do you feel the same way about the Confederate flag and Confederate statues and the, the disputes that have gone on with respect to that in the last couple of years? Um, that's interesting. And like taking down Confederate statues mm -hmm. and things like that. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'd have to think about that one a, a little bit more. I think the Confederate flag I guess, in my own opinion, I can understand a little bit more readily why that would be viewed as offensive. I, I can understand more about the history of that and, you know, why people might really, why they'd be offended. I, the Betsy Ross flag, to me, um, is such an amazing symbol granted in a time of slavery, but such an amazing symbol of the spirit of the United States and the union of these 13 colonies. And essentially the Betsy Ross flag has evolved to be our current modern day flag, right? Just with a different number of stars. And so to me, they're very, they're very different. But, but I agree. I think if Nike were to come out and say that they were going to make a shoe with a Confederate flag on the heel, 
there'd be a lot of controversy there and I could really understand that. Okay. I'm just, I'm, I'm disappointed with Nike that it seems like Colin Kaepernick, who again, I don't think very highly of, um, seems to be pulling some of the strings at Nike. And I just, I don't know that long-term that's going to be a good look for them, but you're right. Conservatives, people like me, maybe not even all conservatives. I mean, I've been boycotting Nike since they announced their Kaepernick partnership, much to the chagrin of my younger son who loves Nike products. Um, so you're right. Consumers can vote with their wallet. And I think that's the right thing to do. And, and we'll see, we'll see if Nike makes any changes going forward. We'll see. And I think Kaepernick became the leader of a large social protest that initially he did not mean to to become. But uh, like I say, I think it's interesting to bring awareness to these issues. And well, and I think I'm on, glad he's doing that. And kind of like what we just talked about just quickly on the Megan Rapino story, I think the same is true for Kaepernick, meaning I'm not sure what he's protesting anymore because initially it started out with police brutality. You'll recall, or our listeners may recall, that Kaepernick was spotted when he was still playing for the 49ers, San Francisco 49ers, he was wearing the socks that depicted, you know, police as pigs. So that was when I was, I kind of had it with him. Um, and then it's evolved from there. But it seems like he initially was protesting because of police brutality. And, and just like Rapino, I don't know what he's protesting with, with the Betsy Ross flag, other than it represents, I guess, this era of slavery and oppression no one's no one's trying to suppress that no one's trying to hide that so that that's the piece with Kaepernick I feel like he's kind of a it's a little bit of political theater I think he's very focused on like social justice and all of that's his prerogative but let's be true about what you're trying let's be honest about what you're trying to do what you're trying to accomplish I think it's been consistent and like I say I think it's the same with Megan Rapinoe I don't have any doubt what the issues are. I mean, I think with, as with any protest, they vary uh, depending on the people and maybe people would, would phrase it differently. But I think it's been a pretty consistent message that uh, that we need to bring more awareness to and acknowledge um, the existence of bias or racism in our criminal justice system and uh, the, tr- the different treatment of people with color. So I, uh, I don't think it's mysterious. I think it's, I think it's a worthy protest and I'm glad to see it uh, continuing. Yeah, maybe. I, I guess I don't see it with as much clarity. I think police brutality and maybe racism within the criminal justice system to me is different than kind of a blanket uh, statement against the era of slavery. And then again, this issue of white nationalism. I realize that there are certainly some common threads that connect those things. I just don't think Kaepernick, and we've talked about this before, my biggest issue with Kaepernick is I don't think he can really articulate what he's trying to fight against. And I, I find that very disingenuous on his part. Caitlin, last topic before we wrap up. Did you see the Dalai Lama's comments on how he thinks any successor to him, if a woman, should be attractive? I did see it. I know that he's apologized. He has apologized, uh, or his office apologized. But the if you if you saw the video on the comment, he apparently said it previously in 2015, and I and he has said it sort of repeatedly. So I have to think that he actually thinks this way. And I guess I was surprised. Um, what he says is that if a successor to the Dalai Lama was chosen who was female, that she ought to be attractive. Uh, He goes on to say that if her face looked a certain way and he kind of does a a mimicking of it, that people wouldn't want to see that face. You know, he thought that putting on makeup and having a, um, an attractive face was an important role of the job. Even, even when questioned with respect to how that could be seen as offensive to people, he kind of stuck by it uh, initially. I'm wondering if you were as surprised or, uh, 
sort of offended by that statement, even coming from someone like the Dalai Lama. I'm definitely not offended. I, I don't, I mean, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I almost wonder if he was trying to be, and I'm trying to give him some credit here. I don't know if he was trying to be self-deprecating, like maybe he feels like he's unattractive and that maybe if there was someone who was more attractive, they might be able to do a better job of spreading the message. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I know I'm grasping at straws there, but, but you saw the video. I saw the he, video. He doesn't, re- I don't think he's referring to that at all. He's that's saying he that it's fine. It definitely doesn't offend me. I, I have, I take no offense at it. Even, even though he's applying the standard to only women, not to men. No, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me at all, honestly. So it doesn't bother you that someone for the the same job would need if they're a man they doesn't matter how they look and if they're a woman they need to look a certain way uh specifically attractive isn't that um one of the basic tendencies of sexism i don't know it it just doesn't bother me that much if i'm being honest with you do you think think it's sexist i don't know i mean overall i think the dalai lama is a probably a pretty good guy so i'm okay to forgive him perhaps a well that's a small transgression that was the issue that's why i was surprised and it made me think um if someone like the dalai lama thinks this way gosh you can imagine how many other people still do and i think that's the bigger issue like even the dalai lama turns out seems to be a little bit sexist can we acknowledge that in fact that's a problem that the fact that there are so many people who maybe think that same way yeah, but I think all of us, I mean, if I'm being honest with myself, I like to try and do my best to look attractive because I feel better about myself. And I, you know, you probably do the same. I think men and women, you know, across the board, I think if if it didn't matter, we wouldn't try. You know what I mean? Like if we didn't, th- if we didn't think that it mattered to look attractive or try to be attractive, we wouldn't put any effort into it, right? I mean, what are your thoughts about that? I, so well, I, whether or not that's sexist, I don't know. But, you know, clearly you wake up in the morning, you shower, you do your hair, you do your makeup, you pick out your outfit. I do that too. Millions of women do that. Men do that as well. You know, everybody wants to try to look and feel their best. That to me is not inherently sexist. Right. But are we kind of contributing to that to that sexist? We probably are. I but... don't know. But what his comment and what a lot of people think is that the standard is different for the man and the woman, right? Um, While men and women both do that, what he's saying is to qualify for this particular important worldly job that you better look attractive. And that's where the sexism comes in because it's a different standard than would apply to men. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's a fair statement, but still not a big deal. Okay. Um, Well, thanks, Caitlin. Uh, The lightning round is always a fun way to have discussions with you. And listeners, if you have any comments, please email us at redmombluemompodcast at gmail.com. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Please share Red Mom Blue Mom with a friend that you might think um, would be interested in our show. But we appreciate you listening. And follow us on social media at Facebook and Instagram. And we will talk with you in a new episode coming soon. Thank you. Thank you.